Welcome to the Trainer Life Podcast. My name is Danielle Harrison, and I am a certified personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist. And I've been in the fitness industry in New York City for over 10 years. I've learned a lot and met some amazing people along the way. So if you were always curious about the ins and outs of the industry from a woman's perspective, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Trainer Life Podcast, everyone. I am your host, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining me today and returning for another episode. Look at us getting it, or me, you all are listening, but being consistent, getting those podcasts in weekly. I think I've been pretty, I think I haven't missed a week yet since I came back in September. All right, snaps, snaps for me. Um, I think I posted on a Sunday a couple of weeks ago, but I still got that podcast out. So, you know, the name of the game, I told you, is trying to be consistent and make it happen no matter what happens. Um, So, yeah, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today is consistency and behavior. But first, as always, let's get that admin out of the way. If you have comments, questions, concerns, feedback, guest topics, anything that you would like me to touch on, people you'd like me to reach out to, my opinion about, you know, different fad diets, exercises, uh, equipment, things of that nature, please never hesitate to uh, let me know. And if I don't know much about something, I will definitely find someone who knows about it and bring them on to give you the information. So hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at the Trainer Life Podcast. Or you can email me at thetrainerlife at gmail.com. Subject line, please put podcast. And also don't forget to follow me on uh, Instagram at thetrainerlife. And that's more of my day-to-day life. I post, you know, workouts, clients, meals, and just a little bit more um, about me. So if you're interested in that, definitely uh, head on over and follow me on all the socials. Okay, let's uh, jump into today's topic. So... I was uh, teaching the other day and I had a woman who comes and takes my class pretty regularly. You know, she uh, fell off a little during summer as people do. She went um, on vacation. She has uh, about three, three kids, four kids, something like that. And, you know, life gets busy, especially when kids are in summer camp, the schedules are not as consistent. So um, she came and took my class the other day. And after class, she goes, you know, I was beating myself up, um, over the summer over something you said. And I said, oh my God, like, what did I say to you? And she goes, no, 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 no. She said, back in January, you said um, something about, you know, let's make this the year of consistency. Let's show up for ourselves and do what you can. And she goes, you know, that fired me up. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Um, And then she goes, and then you know, she goes, I got sick. You know, the kids were sick, like round robining sickness. And she goes, we went on vacation. I just lost that sense of consistency. And she goes, you know, I'm really just trying to find it again. And I said to her, I said, consistency could be that you're showing up once a week. I said, consistency looks different for everybody. I said, don't think that consistency is, you know, four days a week, every day, 12 o'clock, you need to be in the gym, working out, taking class. I said, you are a busy mom. You've got multiple kids that are in the thick of, you know, baseball, basketball, soccer, ballet, husband, traveling, all this kind of stuff. I said, sometimes consistency for you might be once a week, you can make it here for a class. I said, you know, utilize online um, 
the gym that I work at has online classes. I said, utilize the online classes. You know, I said, do do some of those. If you have a random time where there are no classes happening, I said, you know, utilize that. Um, I said, it's okay. And I said, you have to give yourself grace. And I said, if what you can commit to is one day a week, that is your level of commitment that you can be proud of. But I said, don't look at someone else's level of commitment and feel bad about yourself. So I said, everybody's commitment is different. Everybody's commitment that they can give is always going to be different. My commitment is different than yours. Yours is different than, you know, that gentleman over there. So she was like, right. So I said, you never beat yourself up. I said, if you make it once a week, that's amazing. I said, if you're trying to be a little bit more committed, I said, you know, take some of the online classes on late on the, the app, like, then, you know, if it's three o'clock, you can take a class at three o'clock, just bring it up. You can have a level of commitment that way. So that's what we're going to be getting into for today's class is just our psychological aspects towards fitness. And I kind of felt like, wow, this was just a timely conversation with this woman um, because I am just finishing up a course in behavioral aspects of physical activity and exercise. And this is more on the side of not so much prescribing exercise or doing program design, but this is more on the psychological and behavioral side of fitness and basically what makes people tick and why some people are way more likely to kind of like pick up exercise and keep it going and have that strong sense of self-efficacy where other people, it it's almost... A round robining of like it takes time, persuasion, uh, contemplation, talking to, and then sometimes people backpedal. And there's a whole psychological aspect to the fitness, to people's fitness careers, um, careers to people's fitness journeys. And as personal trainers, exercise professionals, and things to that nature, we need to be aware of those different aspects that people go through and different walks of life that people go to, to be able to better serve clients from um, different walks of life, because not everybody has the same lifestyle. Not everyone has the same income. Not everyone has the same family structure, ethnicity, background, um, desires, and goals. And when you have an understanding of how to go a little bit more in depth with a client, or for anyone who's listening, who's not a personal trainer, but you're more of a fitness enthusiast, or you work out in a gym and you just have passion for fit, you have a passion for fitness, maybe some of these things can help you kind of decipher your actions towards things, I think would be a good way to put this. So like, why do you do some of the things? Why do you maybe consistently go, you know, quote unquote, committed or hard for two months and it's always two months. People go, you know, it's the exact same amount of time. I, I work hard for two months and then I fall off for three. I just don't know why. Like we need to kind of, you know, dig deep, hash out. Why do you have this type of same ebb and flow? Like what, what are your triggers? Like where are the triggers there? Is there something that happens in your life? Is it a certain type of year? Is it something that someone says? Is there some, is, is it a, t a time in your job or your career that this happens and you get those two months and then you're off for three or four? Um, you know, does someone visit you? Does something trigger you? And, you know, I would say this is a low level of psych psychology because again, personal trainers, we're not psychologists, but one thing we can do is kind of lead you in the direction to decipher things for yourself. 
So ACM, ACSM, which is the American Council of Sports Medicine, kind of gives us um, worksheets and just tools to promote thought in clients, in um, even in ourselves as coaches. Like a lot of this course made me reflective of my own personal training. Um, not only my personal training career, but before I was a trainer and the way I used to work out and, you know, the yo-yo dieting and the fad diets and, you know, being super, super committed or, you know, calorie restriction and what were my triggers for this? Why did I do the things I did? Um, Where did it come from? So that's more what today's episode is going to be about our behavioral concepts, strategies, the things that we should look out for in our own personalities so that we have a better understanding of ourselves, one, coaches to be able to help our clients succeed for long-term results. And as well, if you're just a, you know, a regular person who enjoys going to the gym, maybe some of these tactics um, and questions can help serve you, you know, do them and just write them down and be like, hey, let me figure this out about myself or let me go into the recesses of my mind and be like, oh, damn, why do I do that? So that's what um, we're going to kind of tap into. We're not going to go deep, deep into it, but just kind of a nice little overhaul of um, things that we call the stages or the processes of change. So the stages and processes of change is something that personal trainers utilize when we, uh, and this is pretty much working with a client who kind of isn't ready to go full on into a or exercise program. So it's like someone who's toying around with the idea, they really want to start, they might be hesitant, they they want to do it, but that level of taking that leap of faith just isn't there. Side note, you know I love to sidebar. Um, I was at my job the other day, drinking my water, minding my business, doing some work, and a woman uh, comes up to me and she goes, oh, you teach that class. Uh, upstairs. And I go, yes, I do. And she goes, I really need to come take it, but I'm very afraid to come take it. Like, I'm intimidated. You know, can I go at my own pace? She was asking a bunch of questions. And, you know, I said to her, you can go at your own pace. You, If you come to take my class, you take someone else's class, you let them know you're new, you know, let them know you're a little hesitant, just let us know and we will make sure we make it a good experience for you. But I always say a first class is like a first date. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. You're not going to know what's going on, but you're going to have fun. So I always say go into it with a a prospect of like, oh crap, this is a first date. Um, And usually that makes people laugh and feel a little less like they have to show out and show up like everybody else. So that is something... um, that I said to someone the other day, and I think I hopefully encouraged her to come try it out. I said, what's the worst that can happen? You don't like it, you don't come back. And I very rarely have anybody have had anyone, um, whether the job that I'm currently at or places in my career, um, different places I've worked throughout my career, be like, oh, that was the worst or horrible experience. I hated it. I never wanted to come back. It might be because of a certain person they that never came back, but it was never because of the workout where they didn't feel good or anything like that. So let's uh, jump into some processes and stages of change. So there are uh, about five stages of change that we focus on right before someone wants to kind of make that change, jump, take that leap of faith to work out. These are contemplation, where people um, acknowledge that there might be a problem or they want to get active 
um, and know that a behavior change needs to take place. Then we have the preparation phase, which is the I will level, and that's change your activity level in the near future. Usually within the next few months, the preparation is an um, unstable stage because very well they could retract that statement. And this is a contemplation to pro progress um, to kind of start over or within a six month period. Then we have the action phase, which is the I am phase. And this is the change, change your behavior phase. And within the last six months, you are in the action stage. This is the stage that requires the greatest commitment of time and energy because you've just recently established new habits, attentiveness, and your goal is to avoid relapse. And then we also have maintenance. Now the maintenance phase is the I have phase where you have worked out for six consecutive months, you are deemed to have a maintenance stage and you have cultivated new behaviors um, and they've been established. You haven't become bored or lost focus and you, you kind of see and understand what fitness can do for you and you are like, oh, I see the change. I see the difference in my health, in my mental well-being, my physical well-being. A lot of people, um, you know, if a doctor says you're in danger of, you know, a chronic illness or something, this is this is where in this maintenance phase, the action phase, the maintenance phase is where somebody's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. I know what why people work out or the last six months you know, it's not even like a weight change. Like there doesn't need to be even a change in weight, but it could just be the way someone walks, the presence they have in a room, their shoulders, they go, my neck doesn't hurt as much. So it doesn't even have to be a weight change, but just like an emotional change or a physical change in the sense of not having neck pain or their lower back pain goes away. They go, oh, I was talking to a client today. And she goes, my knees used to creak for years. And she goes, I just noticed my knees don't creak as much anymore. So those are the kind of things when you're in that maintenance phase that people start really seeing and understanding um, the benefits that physical activity can bring for them. And going through after maintenance, we're also going to have what's called decisional balance. Now, decision, decision, can't talk. Decisional balance is the potential of the pros and the cons to change behavior. So pros might be like, more energy, you know, possibly depending on the person, you know, losing weight, mitigating uh, pain, things to, you know, lowering your medication. Whereas cons are, you might have to get up early or stay out later, time away from your family. You, got, you just flat out don't want to do it. So it's kind of playing this psychological well-being improvement act in order to get people to make that decision of commitment. And then you have different things um, that help the process of change. And just some of them are like conscious raising, dramatic relief, where helping relation self, relationships, self-liberation, um, stimulus control, and things that are known as the process of change. There are more of them, but that is just a few of them. And there are different questionnaires that can kind of help us navigate the stages of change, the process of change such as um, stages of change questionnaire and these are more like yes no questions where it's like no I do not intend to begin exercising regularly in the next six months or yes I do and I know these sound so simple it's like okay it's a questionnaire like you would get at a doctor's office 
but I think there's a difference when you put something in front of someone and they see it on paper or they see it for themselves. And then one of the things uh, we're trained to do once we work with someone is to kind of reflect back on so what someone has said. So they, they can all, they can hear, they can auditorily hear what they told us. And as exercise professionals, we also make sure that we don't miss anything that they said or um, incorrectly interpreted anything that they said. So I know it sounds like, oh, it's a questionnaire. Well, like, what can it really do? It can open up conversation and it can open up conversation to the point of asking why or why not? Where does that come from? Why don't you see yourself exercising? Or do you have a fear of injury or falling? Did you have a bad experience? So yes, it's a questionnaire, but what it does, it's almost like icebreakers in a business meeting or speed dating questions. I don't even think that's a thing anymore. I'm dating myself here, but um, it just opens up the avenue of questions, conversation, and really getting into the crux of where you are emotionally and mentally in terms of physical activity, fitness, and well-being. Um, there is also a form called the self-efficacy and confidence scale and the decisional balance scale. And it just kind of is a numbered scale to rate your level of importance when it comes to fitness. Like you care, you don't care, you know, um, it is if it's raining or snowing or icy, what is the likelihood that you'll go work out? If you don't have access for a place to exercise, would you, do you have the means and would you exercise at home? And it kind of helps an exercise professional gauge your commitment, gauge your programming. Because if you know, okay, well, this person sees me twice a week and they're supposed to go work out once a week by themselves, say they're supposed to go for a three mile jog one day a week. And you know that winter is coming. And they said, you know, any type of precipitation or a temperature below 50 degrees, I'm not going to go to the gym because I just don't care. Okay, that might reframe a, a personal trainer's programming, they might be like, reduce it down to one mile a week, or they're going to implement that cardiovascular work somewhere within the training session. So knowing a person's level of commitment and where they are emotionally and psychologically can make sure that trainers are adapting the programming to the level of where the person is because you don't ever want to be in a position where a person's like, well, I'm not get losing weight. I just use that because it's the standard or I'm not gaining muscle or this isn't happening. And it's like, well, are you doing the extra, you know, your part of this? Well, no. And it's like, okay, well, we'll we need to rework our programming, rework our goal sheet. That's a, another one we're going to talk about as a goal sheet, rework that goal sheet so that we have a more realistic view of you attaining these goals. Okay. If that works, if you're creaking in the background, I'm in an, I'm sitting on an old wooden chair right now that's going creakety crackety. So if you're like, what is that? Uh, it's a chair. Um, so next we are going to go through is goal setting and planned behavior. And one of my, my favorites, I would probably say is the, um, exercise contract and the goal setting sheet. And I, like these two because I feel it gives someone power over what they're doing and a little bit of an autonomy. So I noticed that the exercise contracts can be 
either very motivating and benefit and benefit certain types of mindsets and can be maybe make certain other people feel very overwhelmed and emotional. So what I mean, I noticed that people who have like very analytical jobs like banking, lawyer, business owner, anything that works with an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, a bookkeeper, they love the exercise contract because it's they sign contracts and they look at forms all day. They're like, oh, yes. Oh, a contract. Oh, that's going to make me real committed. Like, love it. Whereas if you have someone who is a little bit that exercise contract will make them feel overwhelmed. It's like, oh my God, what if I fail? What if I can't do this? Well, maybe I shouldn't sign that contract because, you know, I I can't. It sometimes can make certain people feel overwhelmed. So as an exercise professional, we need to be able to gauge and what other tools we can use, forms we can use to make someone who may be hesitant about an exercise contract feel more comfortable. Whereas certain types of personalities, again, this is my own personal opinion through me training in New York City throughout the years for people through from many different walks of life, jobs and things of that nature, I notice certain mind mindsets or jobs like certain formats, they like certain structures, it makes them feel safe. Whereas other mindsets and people from different walks of life, it's too structured, it makes them feel like they're not going to achieve it, they are worried about time constraints. So these types of different tables and forms and sheets kind of help us to say, okay, you're this type of person. So maybe I'm going to offer you the exercise contract, but it might not work for you. And if I find that you're overwhelmed, you know, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ball it up and be like, okay, don't worry about the contract. You tell me what you can do. And that's going to be the contract between us. Um, then your goal setting sheet is something that I like because it's something that we can view together, work on together. And then about quarterly, which would be considered a short-term goal. You know, a long-term goal would be like six months to a year. Short-term goal can be month to month or, you know, put into quarters. I like quarters, um, quarterly goals because it gives space for error. It gives space for life. It gives space for vacation. It gives space for you got sick and things to that nature. Family issues have come up. So I like quarterly goals. So that's what a goal setting sheet can do for us. The goal setting sheet is going to show us, okay, cool. This is what we said back in, we'll say January, since we're coming to the end of the year. In March, at the end of March, um, is this what happened? maybe it didn't. It's like, oh, you know, I wanted to be able to do three pull-ups by then. And it's like, I can't do any. And it's like, well, we did take, you know, you were gone for almost a month because one of your children got sick. So there was a lack, you know, instead of seeing you three days a week, I saw you once a week. So it's not that you didn't achieve that goal, but, you know, there were a few roadblocks in our way. And working with a, you know, trainer, coach, we can kind of put things in perspective for you. Whereas sometimes if people see their own goal sheets, they just see failures, but we know the reasoning behind not so much the failure. We don't call them failure failures, but we'll say the delays. So we know where that delay came from. Whereas you sometimes will forget about the delay because all you see is you didn't achieve it. So from there, you also have a decisional balance sheet, which we said versus the pros versus the cons and a behavioral um, palette worksheet, which 
lets you again have a little bit more autonomy over the exercises you do especially when you're first working out i know that when i first work with someone they usually are going to have an exercise that they say they don't like and it's not so much they don't like it they've either one had a bad experience with it or two it's an exercise that intimidates them so they're like i don't like that i do i would prefer if we didn't do that when if i'm working with someone who you know is in these five stages they're just starting out i'm not going to make them do a movement they don't want to do but when we start to build that trust and they want to reach certain milestones in their fitness, then I'm like, okay, you want to reach this. Well, you know what's going to help that? This move. I know you don't like it, but can we at least attempt it a few times? If it's absolutely out of your wheelhouse, you know, we'll never do it again. I've really never had a problem with someone once I break it down to them as a means to their goals. Have they ever been like, I don't like it and I still don't want to do it. They're going to be like, oh, I still hate this move, but I'm going to do it because I've got th this goal, if that makes sense. So your behavioral palette worksheet is your belief in your ability and your attitude attitude towards an activity, um, the influence whether you are physically active, belief in your ability to perform an exercise is an important part of both adopting a new activity and adhering over it. So sometimes you can put different exercises like what do you prefer? What exercises do you think are new and exciting? Um, what are some challenging exercises that you would like to do? And some people, and by challenging, I'm um, some people are like, well, I want to run a 5k. I had a, another woman come take my class a few weeks ago and she wanted to start running, learning to run because her husband now does 10Ks. And she goes, when we go, we go on little weekend trips, which I think is adorable. And they go, you know, she's like, we went to Vermont, we went to Maine, we did this and that and the other. And she said, uh, he started doing 10Ks and stuff. And she goes, you know, I want to be able to like eventually run with him. So the challenging mode of an exercise for her is being able to consistently be able to maintain a running pace. Now, for other people, that is not a challenge. It's like, oh, I go run 10K at 5 a.m. and then, you know, go to work and stuff. Like, that's not a challenge for everybody. So we need to figure out individually what our challenges are, and then we can plan and act accordingly. So a behavioral sheet can help us say, I'm really, I like this, I want this, this is how I hope to get there, and things like that. Your decisional sheet is the commitment you have towards that act. Um, and then your planning worksheet is how are we going to plan this out? It's the way to have in our plan your action. Where is that action going to be? What will you do? How will you do it? Where will you do it? And when will you take action? So that is our planning worksheet. Now in that planning worksheet, we're going to have exercise and activity. Where is it going to happen? And when will you engage in that activity? So this is kind of breaking down, you know, um, like your no excuses. I'm working out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I am going to, you know, do this, 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 or where is it going to happen? You know, either if you're not working out with a coach, then it's like, I'm going to go to my local YMCA or I'm going to go walk in the park. It's like, well, what if it's raining? Oh, well, then I will, you know, I have a bike in my house and I'm going to ride it and things like that. Another part of our planning worksheet is also coping, our coping plans, exercise barriers and strategies to overcome them. 
So that is something, again, with someone who's new and even with a veteran in physical fitness, even for myself, I have to have a, a plan B. Like today it is raining cats and dogs in New York. Like it's, it's that angled rain where it rains in on like the side. So I had no desire to walk to the gym because it's one of those rains with, even if you have an umbrella, you're getting wet because the rain is coming down on an angle. I was like, I don't want to go. Mind you, the gym is like two or three blocks away. It is not far, but I was like, I don't want to get wet. I, I mean, like, I know that's princess and the pee of me, but I just don't want to. So I was like, okay, I have weights in my house. Now, you know, the weights are good for conditioning. I actually need to get a heavier set. But did I, my coping plan and my way to overcome this was like, okay, I'm not going to go walk in the rain. I don't want to do it. But what I will do is I'm going to make sure that I do my workout at home. And now granted, I'm out, I don't have a barbell, but like I said, I have a variety of weights. I have a step, I have my uh, stability ball and things of that nature. So you can work out at home because the rain was enough to keep me in. I was like, I don't really have to go out after this. So I utilized what I had. I did not let my barrier become my excuse. I had a coping strategy for my barrier and I utilized that coping strategy to make sure that I was able to do my workout. Again, almost like where are your excuses going to lie? I know where my excuses are going to lie. It lies with rain. It also lies on Fridays because Fridays I try and take off early. So I don't take clients past a certain point just because I've noticed throughout the years their clients and anyone who trains on a Friday after like 2 p.m. is really not there. And no disrespect to anybody. I'm saying what I have noticed. I also live in New York City, very different place if you live in like a suburb. Um, they're inconsistent. I don't want to say flighty, but like inconsistent because it's a Friday. Sometimes people get off work early. Sometimes someone has tickets to a show. Someone has um, dinner reservations where they're like, oh, this person uh, canceled. Do you want to come with me because I have a reservation? Otherwise, I'm going to lose it or I have to pay money. So Fridays in New York City is just one of those hit or miss days where like things will come up because it's so close to the weekend. So I just have, I've been burnt too, I've been burned too many times. So I don't take anybody past like 2 p.m. because I've just found them to be inconsistent. Um, so I was like, I don't want to leave. So I didn't, but I did not allow that to be an excuse or a barrier for me to not get my workout in today. So I did a, a full workout at home. I did five exercises. I did a uh, leg day at home and I altered my programming for the weight that I had. Uh, you know, I altered tempo, rep count and things to make sure that I got a full workout because normally I like to, if I'm doing leg day at the gym, I like to, you know, do barbell squats and do goblets and uh, different machines, you know, hack squats and things like that. So I made sure that I got what I needed, but through that I had to have a plan of execution for tempo, rep ranges, counts, pauses to make sure I got that same stimulus or as close to the stimulus that I would have gotten if I was at the gym. And again, did I get that a hundred percent? No. But again, I saw there was a barrier. I had, I already had a coping strategy and a mechanism to over or um, a plan to overcome it. So that's, it, that is part of our planning sheet as well. Um, you know, coping, planning barriers, and then your alternatives to your barriers and things like that when they arise. 
And yeah, so I think that's where we'll stop today. I'm getting lengthy uh, in this one, so I don't want to bore anybody. <laughs> but let me know how you feel about this um, topic. Let me know how you feel about the worksheets. Do you feel it's something that would help you? Are you someone that's like, no, like just show me where to go, what to do, and I'm going to do it? Or are you someone who would benefit from a self-monitoring worksheet, a decisional balance sheet, a behavioral palette, an exercise contract? Are those things that you feel would help you on your fitness journey, especially if you're new to it. All right, so that is the topic of today. Uh, I'm excited. I have guests planned uh, that I'm interviewing next week. She actually lives in Copenhagen. So um, she is a vegan athlete. She's from America, but she teaches in uh, uh, Copenhagen. And she just has a very interesting life, interesting perspective, being a vegan athlete and things and how it works, making sure she gets enough protein. She's um, fueling her body and all those different things. She's a wonderful woman. And so I'm super excited that I will be interviewing her next week. So it'll probably be not this week's podcast, but the following week, just so we can get those edits and everything, or I can get those edits and everything in. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, everybody. Again, topics, anything, please let me know how you're enjoying the podcast, how I can improve and be better, um, anything that you want from me. So enjoy your weekend. You know the deal. Eat your veggies, drink your water, have a cookie, live your best life, and I will catch you all next week. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of The Trainer Life. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And I will see you all next week. Have a great day, everybody.